Welcome to PopX Cast, where science fiction meets pop culture. We're the podcast that covers everything pop culture and beyond the multiverse. Are you ready to get your geek on? Crank up the DeLorean, warm up the proton packs, toss a coin to your Witcher, and deep dive into your favorite plate of chimichangas. This is PopX Cast. This is PopX Cast coming to you on Monday, March the 8th, 2021. And oh my gosh, this is episode 117. And this is an episode I cannot wait to dive into. What is up, Team PopX? What's going on, guys? Sorry, I was just like extra rocking out to our theme song. It is pretty rad. Like since the very beginning, we've had the same one, and I still love it just as much as ever. It is fun. It's a fun. I don't think we'll. I don't think we'll ever change change that. That that works very well for for everything. It's too epic to change. So many cameos, so many references, so much pop culture glory. It's great. Want to give a huge shout out right now. We already got Darth Baca hanging out with us. Mike uh, Rolaine, what's up, dude? (laughs) Well, now, hell, I'm hungry. All righty then. Good for you. We've got Jeff Poffenbarger in the house. What's up? What's going on, my brother? It is so good to see you guys, man. Holy cow. This is PopX Cast coming to you. Austin Burke, you had a big night last night, dude. Holy cow. Party animal. So how did it go with your... Did any of your choices or your votes for... How did that go? Did they win? Did they not? Who are we voting for, president? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Surprisingly. Again, we got a do-over? Yeah. It's it's that whole thing of, you know, your vote matters, kids. Well, last night I learned that my vote actually did matter for the Critics' Choice Award because wow. there were a f- wow. Wow. there were a few that I did not expect to win um, that I voted for, but I'm like, ah, I'm going to vote for them, that ended up winning, such as Palm Springs for Best Comedy. Nice. You had uh, Carrie Mulligan, Promising Young Woman, Best Actress, which I voted for. So a lot of those choices, more what you would think unconventional going in, um, ended up winning. And I was so happy, man. I had such a great night. Uh, 
you know, getting to be a part of that is super cool. And then to actually see that event and, and think like, you know, one day when they're back in person, maybe I get to go down there and, and, uh, and actually be a part of that. So I can't wait, man. I, I can't wait for when things get back to normal. Dude, I'm telling you. So one, you're saying you're telling me that one day you could actually be at the event. I hope. So. Did is that what I just heard? <laughs> I I hope so. Dude, man. we'll see. We'll Dude, see. I'm telling you, I'm a little excited right now. I'm glad that there's no under desk cam. <laughs> oh my god! Anybody hear a thud? <laughs> <laughs> no, but really, I'm so excited for you. And I, I, I did catch your live today as you were on there talking a little bit about some of the, you know, the, like the post uh, critics choice and stuff, and you were answering questions yeah. on your super chats and stuff like that. Dude, it's so awesome. You're just blowing it up. You're on the verge of 85K. I'm just so freaking proud of you. Every time I get on here, there's like, you're, 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 there's another plateau that Austin Burke has reached. <laughs> and it's, uh, holy cow, don't forget oh, us little guys, gosh, Austin. <laughs> no, man, but this is, I love coming here and doing this every couple of weeks because it's like, uh, <laughs> you know, that is... I still consider it my job. I love what I do, but I consider it my job. But I come here and I'm like, I get to just be relax, you. have a great time, talk some pop culture, and yes. uh, do some do some great uh, uh, occasional celebrations for a show like Wandavision, which we're going to talk about the finale. Oh. And, uh, I can't wait. I can't wait. So many questions, bro. So I many know. questions. Lindsay Badger, how has your weekend been? Now, how uh, what's going on in your neck of the woods? It's been a beautiful weekend we've been nice. in the 70s which is springtime in oklahoma yeah other than the horrible winter weather we had a few weeks back yep. um so i am a happy 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 camper um i was like you guys filled with wonderment and excitement and a heck of a lot more <laughs> questions with the wrap-up of this series right and I feel like we got splintered at the end. <laughs> it was a little bit of a... different pathways. It's it like, was. There was a fork in the road. It was, <laughs> there was a great divide yeah. amongst us all. There was a fork in the road. But um, also our retro rewind this week super got me pumped. I can't wait to uh, nerd out about that here in a little bit, too. Oh, man. Uh, it's one of my childhood favorites, so I'm not going to bash this. No, no, we're going to. All right. Good, good, good. This is great. This <laughs> a stark difference. Mike Ippolito, did you have a good week? Oh, I'm just fluffy. Thanks for asking. He's fluffy. He's fluffy. I like that. That's good. I love you, man. All right, guys, let's get this thing kicked off. Austin, go for it, dude. Yeah, well, uh, welcome to Pop X, uh, where science fiction meets pop culture. I am Austin Burke, the Appalachian geek at heart. We would like to welcome everyone joining us live in the popx.live chat room. You guys can come hang out with us. Join the conversation at popxcast.com. If this is your first time tuning in, first off, subscribe. Second of all, uh, <laughs> the first 20 minutes or so, we run down the headlines since our last show, and then we're going to dive into the show topic at the halfway point, um, as well as another retro rewind today which i can't wait to get into it's going to be a good show i'm excited that's awesome and i'm your host joseph burke central florida seasoned comic book nerd and retro enthusiast now we're part of an amazing new network of creative collectives from an expanse known only as the creative multiverse this network of creatives is lightly sprinkled with talent that surpasses even what our own imaginations could begin to fathom heavens to murgatroy uh, for more information, The Creative Multiverse is literally all across social media, including our Facebook groups at The Creative Multiverse. So that's facebookgroups.com slash groups, facebook.com slash groups slash 
the Creative Multiverse. You got it. So if you missed uh, Lindsay Badger, tell them about what happens if they missed last week's episode. What can they do? How can they find uh, it? Well, I'll tell you all about it. Tell me. All right. What do they well, win, you Johnny? Can... Sweet. If you, if it was an unfortunate event in your life and you missed uh, such an epic episode of 117 of the PopX Cast show, let us tell you about it for just a half a second. <laughs> WandaVision review and Big Trouble and Little China Retro Rewind is what we are talking about. We kind of broke down a few of the episodes just to kind of catch everybody up on what we thought about all the big events of the season so far. Not to include the finale, because that's what tonight's about. <laughs> um, so that's what we talked about last episode. Make sure you go over to either our website at popxcast.com for all of the great shows that we've done in the past, and also this one I was just telling you about. And all the archive is there. You can just roll around and all the mm. goodness. Just get a nice, even cozy. It's like a nice, nerdiness. delicious, like, you know, it's it's one of those, like, panko crumbs with some yes. herb-crusted chicken. I'm, I'm channeling my inner Annie Potts there. Yes. Ghostbusters, what do you want? And always talk about at this section of the show, not right now. Stay in your seats. Enjoy your popcorn. But after the credits are rolling, I want you guys to do us a favor and head on over to Google Play or iTunes. Okay? This is important. It keeps the love going for the show. We need you to click the subscribe button. Hey, while you're sitting there, just go ahead and click the subscribe button on the channel. Because, you, you know, you're just sitting there listening to all the good stuff. So just click on the subscribe button here. And then after the show, you go over to the Google and the iTunes. And you get your nerdy on over there. Give us some stars. Five is what we like. You choose which ones you want. And then maybe say something nice. Even emoticon, smiley face, that's cool too. What do you guys think? You down with that? Cool. All right. Keep going. <laughs> oh my god! I, I know I'm just like off the rails, crazy tonight. No, I'm just so glad. Like, what's happening right now? Keeping us on track. <laughs> what's wanna, happening? Right before we go into the news this week, I want to say you shout out to uh, I Talk Marvel 227, and also we want to say Axon 5150. What's up, guys? You guys are friggin' insane for hanging out with us tonight on Pop X Cast. Hey guys, we got some news coming up for you. Don't go anywhere. Pop X Cast is on the scene. Here we go. Extra, extra, read all about it. This is Pop X News. Seriously, one of the greatest moments in cinema glory. Steve Carell and Jim Carrey. <laughs> I love that guy. Oh my gosh, that's, that's so, so good. good. Austin, you're leading out the news this week, buddy. Yes. yes. All right. Well, first on the docket, uh, we have actually a little, little bit of a sad news story. We have Daft Punk, one of the most influential and popular groups to emerge in the past 20 years, have announced their retirement uh, via video titled Epilogue, posted Monday morning. The duo's longtime publicist, uh, Catherine Frazier, officially confirmed the split and declined to provide further details. Uh, the eight-minute clip begins with a scene from the duo's 2006 film, uh, Electroma, 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 uh, that features the pair Thomas Bangalter and Guy Manuel de Homem Cristo. Well done. Who for many years have concealed their features uh, behind a robot concept walking around the desert 
wearing in their familiar space helmets and leather jackets. Uh, after a few moments, one of the members looks to the other, removes his jacket, reveals an energy pack on the back, and the other touches a button on the pack. Uh, the first member walks away quickly and then explodes. So that was kind of their uh, oh, farewell. But, uh, you know, this... Sadly, the first thing that came to my mind is like, who's going to score the Tron sequel? Um, you know, because they're just one of the best soundtracks, literally of all time. But then you have Daft Punk, who have been so influential over the years, and, and their their style of music. I mean, honestly, Joe, and it, it's the style that we love here. Dude, uh, but Daft Punk. It's also Punk. a style that's gonna it's gonna resonate for forever for yeah. fans. Daft Punk honestly is one of the so, one of the influential um, bands for me because of Tron. I mean, I know yes. they created so much more music than Tron, yeah. but their body of music is just oh, dude. So, Sorry, so Lindsay, I didn't mean to interrupt you, sweet. No, that was fine. I, you were being all heartfelt, and I was going to be silly because I was going to ask. So, does this mean that they're no longer hotter, better, faster, and stronger? <laughs> Work it, do it. Better, <laughs> stronger. No longer. That's no longer. No longer. <laughs> wow. wow. That is that is sad though. I mean, I, I just wanted to elaborate really quickly on that though. I mean, you think about the body of music and everything that they've done in terms of of, of scoring, and I think I have to say a, a lot of people may disagree with me on this, but I believe that Daft Punk's culmination with their body of work did Tron was the epitome uh, for them and the score that they created there, um, and I think it'll be ever idolized as such so yes. Lindsay badger i'm I sorry agree. no no you're good I, I i was just waiting to see if there was anything else you guys and wanted. one more thing no just miss me see <laughs> i was waiting for that i'm just i'm teasing <laughs> i mean they could always tag team off on somebody doing the other the other soundtrack right for three they could yes they'll have to they, yeah, they probably maybe. have marshmallow i would personally that. after hearing hans zimmer's blade runner 2049 oh, i would oh, love to hear the hans zimmer score tron 3 that would be rad. Come on. Come on. Oh, good. Come on. Oh, well, so speaking good. of futuristic awesomeness. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's roll into the next story. Uh, Quantum Leap. The mm. science, a, a classic sci-fi show um, that had a controversial ending. If you guys remember. I remember the ending. Back in the day. Um, uh, after five seasons of 97 total episodes from wow. 1989 through 1993, the series lead, Sam Beckett, Played by Scott Bakula. Stop Bakula. Did, Bakula did not make the leap home, which everyone thought was going to happen. Um, he, instead, he visited the timeline of his friend and companion, Al Calavici, to mm. write his tragic history, or rewrite his tragic history, which was kind of a nice little, you know, BFF sort of, I'm going to help save your world, which was really nice. But, anyways, Bakula was more recently starred in the NCIS New Orleans show. But with that coming to an end, Sam was and um, what? Sam and Sam still stuck leaping mm -hmm. in through history. Is there a possibility of a quantum leap revival? That's kind of what the rumblings are all about. And and somebody had asked him about it, and he said that he was kind of in favor for it. And there was you know some fan theories about maybe the revival, including a child. Ooh. coming back to hunt or rescue to bring what? back his father from that timeline whoa so he and and he was down for it he thought that that was going to be a good idea and, and you know even when people ask him still to this day 
about whether he still is living and, and existing in, in some random timeline. He's like, I still believe that he's there and fixing the things that are out of line. Yeah. So well, you never know. The I, rem back. I remember the finale very clearly. Um, he, he teleported in the finale. It was very questionable because he kind of teleported into this area that's kind of an in-between. And it, it was this low, old camp town, and there was a mine disaster. And it was just very, it was a very strange ending. Uh, but at the end of the day, he got to rewrite one of the wrongs. His buddy, Al, who is pictured in the video uh, right there, because Al had Al. Gushy, and he would always, you know, oh, Gushy's not working with me, and he'd have to slap it, you know, and you meow, 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 and it's not working. But <laughs> Gushy and, and Al writers. created the portals to allow Sam to go from for, throughout time. Yeah. And um, there was a tragic event in Al's life early in his in his marriage. Sam got to fix that. And that was one of his, that was the premise of his final leap. Yeah. And, but the fact is when he, at the end of the episode, Sam, the all familiar blue glow overcomes Sam and he leaped, but we don't know where he went after that. Mm. So there's, there, so as we know, <laughs> Sam Beckett, Scott Bakula is still out there somewhere. It's interesting. That's interesting. This is a show that I don't know. I, I've watched oh. random episodes, but it's just, it right. was so far like out of my time. I don't know exactly, mm. but I think the idea and the concept is fascinating. Yeah. And I think if they don't either bring it back or even if they do a reboot down the line, I, I think it's brilliant. So I don't know why there's been not a lot of talk or at least as much as I would anticipate of bringing it back. Yeah. I honestly think that just thinking, thinking back, I watched more reruns out of order. I did too. Than I watched of actual <laughs> in order continuity yeah. of the show. So I mean, it's relevant either way. I would like to go back. I would like to go back through this series at some point, though, in the order that it was yeah, meant to be. That would be great. That would be awesome. But moving along, uh, for Quantum Leap fans, that could be awesome for you guys. Moving yes. along, we have really cool news coming from the world of Call of Duty this week, and this is from Activision. A Call of Duty 2021 leak has surfaced online, especially okay. for Modern Warfare and Warzone fans. Now, as you guys know, I run Warzone just about every night of my life. Activision hasn't revealed the Call of Duty 2021 title as of yet, but it is confirmed a new entry in the series is releasing this year via PC, PS4, and PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, and Xbox Series S. Call of Duty leaker Tom Henderson shared what he has been hearing about the game. According to Henderson, Call of Duty 2021 is in development at Sledgehammer Games. The team behind Call of Duty Advanced Warfare and Call of Duty uh, World War II adding that this, that Henderson claims the game will be gritty and controversial, just like Modern Warfare was, which is why Modern Warfare fans starting to board the Call of Duty 2021 hype right now. They're starting to get on board with the train. Henderson okay. also describes the game as boosts on the ground. It's boots on the ground. It's not going to be these jetpack jumping around Titanfall type things that they tried in the cool. past. So that's kind of good. And uh, which is always easy way to, to get hardcore and, and classic COD fans thrilled. Now to the end, the game is apparently putting an emphasis on guerrilla-like warfare. That sounds cool. pretty freaking interesting. <laughs> Lastly, Henderson confirms that the game will be in integrated with Warzone, just like Black Ops Cold War has been in December. Now, this means all of the game's guns will come to Warzone, 
and the map may get an all-new makeover to better fit the new release. Henderson doesn't divulge anything about the setting, but according to another prominent insider, the game is heading back to World War II. Now this delights me of very as a Call of Duty player. I think I think Mike just happened to throw this one in there just for me. Does that tickle your fancy? My fancy is tickled times ten at the moment. Yes. Now I do know this: Warzone Series Two just came out a few weeks ago, and uh, they did release zombies onto the map. So as you're walking around, there is zombies on the shipwreck part of the Warzone map. Now they're getting ready to blow up Verdansk, which is the map of Warzone. And when they blow it up, uh, we we don't know what it's going to look like, what the changes are going to be, but the rumor is there's a new larger map with 250 that can be in the lobby at one time. Oh. So you're going to have to do Battle Royale from 250 to 1. Oh, my goodness. It's going to increase the odds dramatically. Uh, so, I mean, you're, you're going to have a 1 in 250 chance of, of doing this thing, but... It's it's all in how you play your cards, I think, at the end of the day. I, I can tell you right now, my friend Sam let me borrow his Xbox One, and I have not stopped playing Warzone. Do you it like Warzone? All, I love it, man, because I grew up with... I, at Modern Warfare 2 was like this four-year span of my life. I was just hooked, and I couldn't stop. And then I kind of stopped playing video games for a while, but uh, now that I have a, a, a little bit... I don't know. A little bit more free time, I'll play a little Super Smash Bros., and then I'll get on Warzone, dude, and it is just... So to hear... 250 people oh my god that did you ever awesome. did you get a chance to play black ops blackout which was their uh, first I, I didn't play blackout i did black ops what was the second one oh black ops one? yeah black ops 2 yeah just just black ops 2 yeah i played that one for a long i love zombies so to see yeah. that integration and they did a, a, a similar thing with warzone during halloween where they brought zombies correct in, which is fun yeah, i played yeah. that a little bit so it's nice fun. i love it that's awesome I love it. Well, good things are coming to Call of Duty fans, so hang tight. The 2021 release title announcement is around the corner. They'll and, probably have um, Nazi zombies. <laughs> my, it's the best. So I'm Mike not, isn't going know. to the show. His face must be presented by Kit Voice Animation. I have spoken. Mike Rolaine. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> oh, trust me. Mike is coming up now because Mike has got something to share from the world of Zack Snyder. So, okay. Mike, take it away, dude. And uh, uh, just before I get into that, I just want to backtrack real quick. I wanted to jump in on the Quantum Leap story. Okay. Um, they released um, the Blu-ray box set of it not too long ago, all five oh, cool. seasons of it. And on the uh, the fifth season uh, special edition section on the uh, bonus features, there was an alternate ending that was filmed uh, for Quantum Leap because they were anticipating going into a sixth season. Really? So what it was where Sam got lost al was now going to turn around and go and leap looking for sam and that's how it was only like a wow. five minute segment that was filmed so since he did so much for him he was going to return the favor and Aww. you know go leap looking for sam to try and pull him back to bring him home wow. and that, was, that was supposed to lead into season six which obviously never, never happened. happened but who's to say it can't happen all. now well that's also true you know but i don't know how far is the get. actor that played al still alive mike yeah, but he's about 83 years old Oh my! Okay, yeah, so he's a little up there in the age. Maybe okay. maybe uh, Sam's kid leaps a little too far, runs into him. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be crazy. So, what do you got to share with us, Mike? Uh, real quick, I came across a uh, video yesterday. If anybody follows uh, Geeks and Gamers or Star Wars Theory, uh, they're all part of a big community together. 
including a uh, YouTuber called uh, Uche Nawanari. Uh, he's also into, you know, gaming and similar to he does what geeks and gamers are doing. And they're holding a fundraiser on March 17th, which is going to be the eve of uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. And they're having a fundraiser for uh, suicide prevention. Wow. And main guest awesome. will be Zack Snyder himself. What? Uh, they were able to secure him for the event. Um, and basically, it's just going to be, uh, you know, discussing a bunch of topics and also uh, which is actually going on right now they're announcing all the items that will be auctioned off and all the benefits all the money proceeds will go to uh, suicide prevention they're looking right now to raise about fifty thousand dollars and as of now they just cleared ten thousand wow that's amazing days too. Left. so march 17th nine o'clock if you're interested in some uh zach snyder is justice league memorabilia you know is that 9 p.m. Eastern or 9 p.m. Pacific? 9 p.m. Eastern, yeah. Okay. So I have the link for the um, for the actual uh, stream. Okay. Uh, so if you can, paste the link, uh, Mike, into our uh, our chat, and I'll, I'll give it to our uh, viewers on our YouTube channel. I will put it on over there. And All share right. it on the Facebook page, too. Later yep. as well. That's awesome, man. Well, thanks for sharing that. That's so good. I mean, and as you guys recall, at the when when Justice League originally came out, Zack Snyder had to be pull, pulled from it. Was it Joss Whedon that came in and stepped in to do yes. the? Whedon. Yeah, mm -hmm. and so I mean, you know, he he took Snyder's footage and the best he could and made a film out of it, but it truly was never Zack Snyder's original vision that he had for yeah. the Justice League. And so, uh, in in the way in light of all the Snyder's being pulled out because of his son's passing of of suicide, I think this is a great thing. And Mike, thanks for sharing that. That's that's really impactful, dude. That'll uh, hit on, and let me let me go ahead and share that with our um, audience as well, over in our YouTube. And guys, we're going to post this as well on our Facebook. So if you're listening to this on the audio portion of our podcast, uh, be sure to look for that coming out on our Facebook page as well. But really uh, quick, yeah. really quick, John John mentioned something in the chat. I think it's fun to bring up. Um, did you guys hear what happened today on on HBO Max? I did not hear what happened today on HBO Max. Somebody made a huge oopsie. So oh, apparently, people went to click on Tom and Jerry and watched the first hour and forty-five minutes of the Snyder Cut. Ooh. They, I'm sorry, they, what? Yeah, yeah. The Snyder Cut was what? accidentally leaked for a couple. I believe it was like an hour or two, and they <laughs> tried to immediately take it down. But apparently, people who had already started it could watch the first hour and forty-five of the Snyder Cut instead of Tom and Jerry. Yeah, I think Tom and Jerry got some really good rating boosts. <laughs> good yes. gosh, that's yeah. crazy! <laughs> oh wild. Somebody so. just lost their dang job. <laughs> yes, exactly. Wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyway, yeah, all right. So we're seriously. gonna we're gonna push into the uh, this week's retro rewind as we're gonna be talking sure. about the never ending story. Guys, stay tuned. We'll be right back. <laughs> Retro Rewind this week we are talking about the never ending story. One of my favorite 80s films of all times. I would waste hours of my life watching Bastion and Atreyu go through the land of Fantasia and looking to defeat the nothing. Uh, so this movie is seriously, honestly, one of Wolfgang Peterson's 
most iconic films. Obviously, he did Enemy Mine. He uh, also did Outbreak. Uh, he's done a lot of crazy films. But for me, when I hear Wolfgang Peterson, I always immediately go back to the original Neverending Story. Just the overall... The film basically was, was shot in a soundstage in Germany. The whole thing was shot in Germany. Yeah. And um, I don't think Henson was directly tied to this, but there is definitely a huge Jim Henson influence into this. You can get Dark Crystal vibes. You can get a lot of those kinds of uh, nuances. But... Um, the cast is just freaking brilliant, uh, from from the nerdy scientist uh, even to Artex. Uh, the, the horse is so sad when the horse goes into mm. the, the yeah. moat. and he's. But the characters that we get to meet, I was talking to Lindsay about this last night. This film, literally for me, is one of those movies where CGI doesn't even need to be a thing. Um, the practical effects that they used to be able to blend and perfectly blend screens uh green screens and chroma key with full-on lustrous matte paintings is just absolutely freaking beautiful and i was watching this last night in full 1080 it's not been released in the united states in 4k yet there was a german release that they did in 4k and it's in german um but they've not released it worldwide in english in its native um, capacity in 4k yet so the only copy i have is in 1080p but I can tell you it was absolutely stunning to revisit this in such, such sharp clarity. Uh, now, Austin, um, I, I can go all day on Neverending Story, but I want to hear <laughs> I want to hear Now, I know Lindsay's hard on this as well because me and Lindsay's yes. already had a Neverending Story thing. But Austin Burke, what did you think of this movie? Yeah, so I don't have an affinity for this film. Like, I didn't grow up with it. I'd seen it one time. I kind of forgot about it. You know, I, I, I liked it. I liked it, but it's one of those when you're young and you watch this movie and it's not the 80s or 90s, you're like, oh, you know, it's the 80s special effects. You know, it's kind of like, ah, it doesn't really. But I, I was very open-minded and I do recall like certain elements that would make me as now as a critic, I'm like, okay, I feel like I'm going to be impressed. And and while watching this unfold, not only the story, but I, I, I think the most impressive part is what you mentioned in the practical effects. I was kind of blown away with what they did um, because seriously, because I don't remember it being watching it as a kid. I don't remember it being that impressive. Not only you think of this being an eighties movie, but you think of practical effects now. Yeah. I think those effects are just as good as some of the practical effects we see now. Right. Mm -hmm. The only time in the film that took me out of it was when he's actually, you know, riding through the clouds yeah. and I'm like, okay, well, you know, yeah. clearly, but what more can you do? Right. Yeah. yeah. But the, the creatures and the designs and the world and the landscape, and, and I did a, a ton of research, like the scene where they're all standing, apparently uh, there's E.T. and Yoda and everybody standing there, like yeah. all of these Steven Spielberg connections because he actually went in and, and helped bring this movie over from Germany. Little old Austin brain didn't even know it was shot in Germany. Yeah. So I start watching the movie and I'm like, all right, why, why is there dubs? Why is everyone dubbing? And then I'm like, oh my God, these are these German actors and they're talking German. So discovering all this stuff for the first time was really cool. Now I know Wolfgang Peterson from a movie called Das Boot, which is- Yep, Das Boot. Oh my God. Oh my God, this movie's wild, right? And then he, he went like, he did Air Force One and Detroit and all these movies. But I think Never Ending Story might be one of his coolest accomplishments because this is bringing this world to life mm -hmm. at a time when you shouldn't have been able to do this, yeah. right? Yeah. You can do this now. I think I actually think this movie's really primed for 
either bringing it back, canceling the, the sequels, uh, you know, doing doing something fresh, modern with it, with this. But it's really impressive what they did. So I was very impressed watching this movie. I enjoyed the story. Uh, there were a couple nitpicks that I had mm. here and there, but overall, I, I think a never-ending story is is rightfully so uh, some of a lot of people's favorite 80s fantasy classic. Yeah. And I, I, it makes sense to me. It yeah. does. Lindsay Bodger. The never-ending story is a magical place mm. that I escaped to often when I was a child. Mm. Um, I always... When I think of this movie, I always remember that special moment where you get to go with dad to the movie rental store and he lets you pick out that one movie. And it may be like every other week, you know, it's payday. Let's splurge. <laughs> Rent a movie, you know. Uh, and so that was like my go-to. There was like a cycle of maybe two or three movies that were like my staple. And my dad's eyes would roll every time I brought him the same VHS tape over and over again he's like good lord really this one again this was that movie oh this was that movie i honestly didn't even need to rewatch this movie this week mm. because i have it permanently seared into my brain <laughs> all the characters all the storyline all of the beautiful artwork the crazy gorgeous soundtrack that haunts you in your sleep is so wonderful it's it's like a little dreamland that you get to go visit for an hour in I don't even know what the duration of this movie is. What hour? Hour and thirty six. Hour one thirty six. And I know that it's it has your your staple traditional stylings of an eighties movie of fantasy. Mm -hmm. But it's not so dated. It's still relevant. Absolutely. It's not super cringy, you know. It still has all of those beautiful aspects like you guys were talking about before that you can kind of overlook a little bit of hmm. the, you know, oh, it's not super realistic. Well, no kidding. I mean, you don't see pink dragons flying through the sky. So, I mean, like, <laughs> it's just, you have to kind of let go and just have fun with it. And the the scripting of it, there's some epic one-liners that you, you can come up with. And the thing is, is that you know when you've met your people when you can throw out a line like these were good strong hands <laughs> and whenever somebody knows exactly what you're talking about those are your best friends that's true those are the people you <laughs> should be good. hanging out with for the rest they of your look life like strong hands. <laughs> yeah but um i have to ask you guys did you have like, what was your favorite character? Because there's a lot of, of a wide variety of characters. You have your princess in the tower. You have your hero that's kind of a little bit of a Native American feel going on, fighting the buffaloes and Indians and all that kind of stuff. And then you've got um, your deep, dark villain that actually gave me nightmares as a kid. Yeah. scared the crap out of me. You know? <laughs> Honestly, my favorite character is is the the ancient turtle that's allergic to the humans that scene cracks me up every single time what is it she but, always says um, never mattered now <laughs> yeah. but the thing is is that i'm i'm impressed with a fantasy movie how rich in emotion mm. it is it takes you where you're thrilling flying above the clouds and that you have that adrenaline rush of excitement but then you're like sobbing because of our tax in the depressing <laughs> mud 
Oh, that whole scene, I, uh, Dude, I was, just have to fast forward past it because it's just heart wrenching. My wife couldn't make it through that. She's an animal lover, so it's that she's like, she's like, I can't believe sad. you watched that movie again. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it really is. And then, and then you have the the terror of the the creepy things lurking in the dark. You know, so there's there's all all sorts of emotion roller coaster that you're going on with these characters. So I was just kind of wondering. I was like, do you guys have a like a favorite character Falcor. in this movie? Falcor. I mean, that's kind of like a standard go-to. and I mean, he look, he's literally a flying blob of cotton candy. How can you not love him? I mean, him? it's amazing. I mean, and also, too, I don't know if you guys know this, but Falcor is voiced by Alan Oppenheimer, the same guy who not only did um, Skeletor and Masters of the Universe, but he, he did Cringer. He is an 80s voice icon, yeah. much like Peter Cullen is to Transformers. Right. Alan Oppenheimer is right up there, dude. And his yeah. soft tone... His gentle voice mm-hmm. as Falcor, for me, that was just a comfort. When I hear Falcor speak, you know, it's just like, I, I want a friend like that that speaks to me in that way. It's yeah. encouraging, you know. Yeah. So good. I had one questionable bit about this movie that I've always questioned. Even in the 80s, how many schools have attics? Like, seriously. Yeah, it's a very creepy attic, too, with skulls and, yeah. and wolf heads. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's like a creepy attic that's like in a haunted house, and it's supposed to be in the school? Well, that, that was like the only it's a German school, perhaps. Maybe. No, I don't know. I've gone to school in Germany, so maybe that's kind of like a normal thing. <laughs> well, i got to hear from Mike Ippolito on this. Mike, yeah. uh, so what did you think of uh, this good old-fashioned classic 80s gym? Well, I don't think I'm going to be able to top the movie critic. He kind of nailed everything. So I'll just uh, <laughs> keep it simple. Um, it's a very simple movie. Um, I don't remember it being, uh, when I was a kid, I remember, you know, seeing it originally. Um, I remember seeing it a little later on. But I don't know, to me, after watching it a second time, and it, and it kind of brought back some memories on it. Um, you know, it's it's not... You know, it's not overwhelmed with so many characters. It's not like, you know, endgame type of characters. You mm-hmm. got just a simple, simple amount of characters. And for the time, you know, the special effects that they had, I mean, it was, you know, you could do it. You can only do what you had in the time, you know. Yeah. And, you know, and as, as a kid, as a young kid watching it, you know, it's, it, you know, it's the first kind. To me, I think it was like your first exposure to, you know, uh, like a, almost like a, going to a fantasy world you know and i think it may have set the precedence for a lot of these like for your narnias and harry oh, potter yeah. and stuff definitely like that. So i think you know i think this kind of started it you know and, and the idea was there but the you know they didn't have the technology you know same with like with the muppets and stuff you know you, you did with what you had and and i think they just wanted to just put a good movie out there and it was just a very simple simple movie not complex and then just you know at the end you know it's you kind of feel you know you know for the the the, uh the princess there where she's just screaming for him to say the name and the kid is just you know beating around the bush get with it already yeah yeah Yeah. building up the anticipation yeah exactly you know and then for him going after the bullies at the end i mean because you know yeah that was the norm see for me um you know i'm glad you said that mike you know i I, as as, i've never shared this on pop x but i was bullied heavily as a kid and and so i was i was definitely the brunt of many jokes in my high school and so the never-ending story when that scene came on dude i was just so joyful because i knew that one day I could get the last laugh, you know, that, you know, it kind of empowered, you know, the yeah. ones that are, I don't want to say weak, 
but the ones that aren't uh, fitting into the crowd of, of whatever is going on. So, yes. but I'm glad you said that, Mike. That was nice. Um, but um, Mike, you got a favorite character? Uh, I'm just gonna go with the general on with Falcor. I mean, yeah. that was you know that's the that's from the the character that I remembered from watching the movie, or if, you know I see a clip of it that kind of yeah. strikes. But as far as the other characters, it's it's just it's been so long since I've seen it, so I just I didn't remember them all. And then once the name started coming out, I started to remember a little better. That's awesome. Well, you know, we're going to wrap this up on the never-ending story, and if you guys are enjoying the Retro Rewind, this new segment that we've added here to Pop X Cast, I'd love to know what you think about it, and first and foremost, I want to know what movie you want us to, to do next. And so, uh, we do have a schedule for the next two Retro Rewinds, but beyond that is where we want to want you guys to help start chiming in. I can give you a teaser. The next Retro re- Rewind we're doing is War Games. So I'm excited to, hello, Dr. Falcon, would you like to play an ice game of jazz? So we're going to be talking about that. And um, But let's let's review officially, as if we're reviewing a film, The NeverEnding Story. I'm going to give my first one, I will go an 8.5 out of 10. And I'm not, I'm not comparing it with today's standards. I'm comparing it between the, the time it was filmed, 81 to 89, 80 to 89. That's where I'm kind of looking at the bar. So an 8.5 for me. Yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead. I, I really did. I, I enjoyed it uh, quite a bit. There's a lot good. I, I did feel my, my one main criticism is it, it when I was watching, I'm like, this doesn't feel like as complete of a story as I want. And then I, I went to find out that it was actually half the book. Half and the part book. part two was apparently the other half of the book. And from what I remember from part two, I've seen bits and pieces and I heard it was really, really bad. It's bad. So I don't know if I want to complete that. So that's it's... probably my 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 main criticism keeping it. But but other than that, I I was just I was so impressed with the practical effects and the fact that they could get me to care so much about these characters. So my score, I'm gonna go seven two, a seventy two percent for my score. Uh, but but let me tell you, this is one that um, I think rightfully so fits in that '80s nostalgic classics nice. uh, fantasy genre. Yeah. Lindsay Badger. Um, yes, the sequels are significantly fall short. That's what I heard. They're trash. Yeah, part um, two is bad, too. Yeah. Part two is bad, but at least does continue the story, so you can I saw there's a part three, too, and apparently... Is. Don't watch it. ...is, like, the worst thing. <laughs> yeah, it gets dude. worse as you go down the Even line. I've not it, seen part three. No. Oh, no. No, I won't even watch it. I remember watching part two in the theater, and I was just excited as a kid to be in the theater. But, yeah, I was. it did not even live up close. But part two does have John Wesley Shipp in it. It does. Ooh, I do like it. He plays Bastion's father. There's a whole recast, by the way. That's horrible. All right, Lindsay Badger, I'm sorry. So, um, it's not a perfect movie, but it does rank very highly in my childhood so i'm going mm-hmm. to put it highly at a nine nice yeah, i like that. but it's not a hundred percent by sure i can pick it apart and find some things wrong with it but yeah it, it's it's about as it makes my heart warm and fuzzy <laughs> all right mike ippolito uh i'm gonna say i never even knew there was a part two and three and now that i hear that it's junk i will pass on watching it and remember <laughs> the first movie uh but i'm with you on joe i'm gonna go at 8.5 and kind of to what Austin said in, you know, the, the special effects and stuff for the time, you know, so right. it's, uh, you know, it's, yeah. it fits right in there with, uh, you know, Dark Crystal, you know, that 
you know, and, and the, you know, the Muppets and stuff like that, that, that type of special effect that they can do with what they had. That's awesome. So we got a 7-2, we got 8.5 and a 9. That is the official retro rewind score for NeverEnding Story. Check me and Austin Burke out over on Letterboxd as we do have yeah. our written reviews up for these as well. And I believe, Austin, did you rank it on your Letterboxd as well? Uh, I'm going to add mine tonight. Nice. So that's when I'll have it, yeah. All right, guys, we are going to get ready and transition into the final phase of tonight's story. We're going to be talking about WandaVision. The finale of WandaVision. But before we do that, we're going to roll the sound spoiler alert warning. So if you've not seen the finale of WandaVision, you might want to pump the hate brakes and stop it right there, okay? We'll be right back. Danger. You are about to enter a pop-hop-hop-ex spoiler alert. Beyond this point, there is no return. You have been warned. You have been warned, ladies and gentlemen, and we are talking about WandaVision, the finale, episode nine and eight, I guess we can talk. We Eight and nine kind of go hand in hand, so, but um, holy cow, more questions than answers um, in true Marvel form and fashion, but there's a lot to unpack here. There is a lot to unpack here. And can I just say, let's talk a little bit. Let's let's spend just a short amount of time on eight. And that's particularly, um, that would be Maximoff, Wanda's backstory. And just, review. oh my gosh, dude. It, it was, it was, <laughs> it was hard to watch some of this come, come to pass. And, yeah. and we finally, you know, as, as Agatha, this was the episode where Agatha was walking her hurt through time, right? Yes. Yeah, and, it was like her little life montage uh, there for about a half hour or so. Do you not just feel heart-wrenching for Wanda Maximoff Can in this moment? Can you imagine having that storyline? That's, that's deep, dude. <laughs> I mean, your, your family's in Sokovia, and you're watching the... And, of course, there's the briefcase with all the shows that pretty much oh, yeah, created... We about. We've already yeah. talked about it, and there it is, the Dick Van Dyke show, Bewitched... Yeah. All the favorite famous sitcoms of the time, and it's in Dad's briefcase, yeah. and it makes sense at that point. Yeah. But my God, the tragedy—you know, the explosion in the apartment, the death of the parents—and and they sat. How long did she sit under that table thinking that the bomb was going to go? It, it was, was two, day. two days. Two days. Two yeah. days. Two to three days. Did you imagine that forty-eight hours you'd have to sit there and stare, suffer, that. not knowing if it's going to go Starving. off or not. Starving. Having to go to the bathroom, being trying to you know be a little bit protective of the brother a little bit you know oh my gosh dealing with your own emotions. But somehow turmoil. the TV the TV was still on, and yet yeah. again she was able to escape that reality of of a bomb crashing and, and killing her parents, and and kind of focus and fixate on on the the, the sitcom essentially, just heart wrenching. You guys got any comments you want to add about I, episode eight? I, I thought Thor had the most tragic backstory in the MCU because he mm. lost his mother, he lost his best friend, he lost his brother. His dad. I'm thinking Wanda, uh, yeah, yeah, his dad. <laughs> oh my God, I'm thinking Wanda is is really competing with that because everything we she went through prior to this and now seeing the actual backstory and now seeing what she just went through in the finale with her kids. Yeah. I think she might have the most tragic backstory Dude. in the MCU, and wherever she goes, I think bad from here. Um, I think it's going to be at least slightly justified because 
it's really, really bad. What happened to her? <laughs> Yes. I have no words. I think it was beautiful. Yes. I think it was beautifully done. Well, I mean, it was it was heart wrenching to watch, but beautifully portrayed to give us an accurate, kind of in depth analysis of her childhood. Mm -hmm. You know that portion of her in Sokovia that we never knew or never saw, mm -hmm. and then it then it goes into the actual um, Hydra Institute where they kind of used her, and um, I, we don't know how long she was in that institute. Because she was later captured yeah. shortly after kind of being a refugee after her parents died on the streets mm -hmm. and probably was captured at some point by Hydra to do all kinds of crazy experiments on because I guess it was considered she was a uh, a super or whatever you want to call that. Yes. So um, it's just very heart-wrenching to go through that and watch that. And then, of course, at the end of Episode 8, as we're going to build up into Episode 9, which I really want to get to, is we have the culmination and the famous song Agatha all along, <laughs> um, and it well, kind of we, we got a uh, not just a a, a a wrap up but a fill in of the gaps of Wanda, but we also got a backstory for Agatha too. We did, we Which sure we did. did. The Salem witch Which trials, very yeah. nice. And that was just cool. long enough to, that they didn't uh, over overwhelm the episode. They just showed right. enough to 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 get to the story because I know it was my, primarily around. You know Wanda and, and you know and that scene where she's sitting there just you know looking at the TV and when that building exploded I mean I jumped in my seat because I didn't yeah. I didn't expect that to happen yeah and you know just and then t just to make it worse on top of it when she sees vision and she says to him I can't feel you and if you felt nothing then you must be made of wood because that was <laughs> just, uh, you know to, just on top of that and then to see that was just kind of kind of hard to you know take that in you know if you remember back in um, avengers infinity war um she her and vision are in that apartment in scotland yeah. and she does something very similar where she goes and puts her hand on it on his stone and she's like i can feel you i can feel your presence mm. yeah but this time when she did that and you know she's here's like, I vision can't feel you. i can't feel you oh, I don't, yeah. dude Heart. and then you know then she went to the new jersey plot where they were supposed to build their house together oh yeah, it, was it was just like wave after wave of grief that you could just I gotta tell you, man, wash I, over you. Like you were her. You were literally like placed in her footsteps mm -hmm. through yes, this were. entire story. And it's just like, And I got, a, I got a little misty-eyed. I'm not going to lie to you. I got a little yeah. misty-eyed, especially, you know, you, you after seeing all the culmination of her backstory and, and just her and vision and just the pain. And then, you know, the pain and then her magic finally letting go and creating Westview and the hex around Westview. That's just gut-wrenching, bro. And then you see from her own mind or what she remembered Vision to be, he, she formed Vision, the hex Vision. And uh, it's just sad, dude. It was just sad. And, you know, but I guess the big Easter egg at the end of the movie was Agatha. And then we kind of see all the cut scenes of Agatha, Agatha kind of controlling everything in the background and being in the, you know, the producer's chair and controlling fake Pietro and all of this stuff. And, and it was her all along, pretty much, uh, kind of masterminding. They call him, what, Fietro? Fietro. Is that like the, the internet's <laughs> dubbed name for him? Yeah. Pietro? Yeah, but I can't believe they wasted a good character on a boner joke. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, the cutscene for that, though, in the credits, was whenever we were like, "Yeah, yeah." You got the the what? What is the official name for that vision? 
Uh, that's the white. The, the, well, the white vision. You got vision, vision, and then you yeah. got the vision. The no. vision. Okay. And so, I mean, it, it, it's I all the same. Double vision. You can call him. Yeah. You can call him <laughs> white vision, but I mean, I go white vision and then vision. Um, there's just no really other way to explain it, but um, yes, the cutscene, the end, uh, Paul Bettany in white makeup coming to life was just oh my so god sweet. on the edge of your that seat. That was that was the big cameo that he wanted to work with. That was yeah, that was the career. actor he always wanted to work with <laughs> was himself. No lie, that's funny. Yeah. Dude, I mean, he trolled us so hard on that. He did. He, did. he trolled he us. He probably loved every second of every fan theory. Dude. Yeah. You yeah. know what? I think Disney's trolled us too because wasn't there some certain character listed in the casting on the Googles? Well, yeah, there's James, yeah, James Spader. Spader. I don't know yeah. why. Because there was no cutscenes of Ultron nope. vocalizing. No, voices, no, nothing. Not even in the flashback. I feel like, honestly, I feel like someone may have went in and manipulated that because mm. I, I personally don't think Disney would do that because they know what backlash is like because of the last jedi so i don't think they would want to do that to themselves but then again they but did feige's pretty smart and he knows but how he his is. fan base is like yeah he absolutely the is we're gonna it's, search to me, the it's, data mines you're the right though you're right to me it's like a wikipedia like <laughs> i could go in and add something in wikipedia if i wanted to so i'm yeah. sure people have figured out how to do oh, it yeah. oh yeah oh yeah that's yeah. interesting so um should we roll into the uh, finale since it was the longest episode of the entire it was 50 season. minutes it was a full hour it's true yeah it was yeah. 50 minutes exact um so the finale is is definitely the you know the culmination of of you get the battle between Wanda and Agatha, the battle between White Vision and Hex Vision, and then you got all the other characters behind that. You've got uh, Wu, Spectrum, uh, Monica Rambo. She made her last little appearance. She did. But it was really cool to see Spectrum and her powers. And one thing I really liked that was so true to the comics on Spectrum is that whatever energy that com comes within her, her eyes will glow that energy. So if you mm -hmm. see that she is battling with Agatha, her eyes are, are purple. But if you see that when the bullet was fired from Hayward, the energy of the bullet, because it was copper, her eyes turned yellow. Yeah. And so I thought that was a really interesting because whatever yeah. energy she's adapted to, she will absorb that energy. Yeah. She's love, made of pure that energy. I whole character, but the, the one thing that I did kind of find, and I know it's probably just a time constraint, obviously, and we'll probably dive more into that later. But <laughs> Mike Rolane in the chat. It was not a full hour. You forgot the 37-minute credits. <laughs> um, was how quickly she adapted to these new superpowers, and she seemed not phased at all that she could do things that she didn't do before. Mm -hmm. That kind of was just like, I know you you are you're hanging out with superheroes all the time, but whenever you mm -hmm. become one, wouldn't you just like want to take a per personal moment of reflection on that? Yeah. She yep. was just like, no flips given. Let's just keep moving forward. Well, you, now, that's you, probably her military training kicking I, I in, too. I think that's what it is. I think yeah. it's but her military it training, but like, if you notice in the moments when she's trying to be militant and she's trying to be in defensive mode, mm -hmm. her powers un, unwillingly kick in. Right. So when mm -hmm. Hayward fires the gun at Monica Rambo, if you notice, she's like shocked. She's looking she's down. Like, she, she doesn't know that she just absorbed the bullet and it went right through her. Yeah. She has no idea of that. And so I think um, it's kind of a, I think she, she knows that she's a super or a mutant or whatever you want to call her, but she doesn't know the extent of her abilities yet. 
And that's why at the end, you know, the squirrel's like, somebody wants to talk to you up there. Yeah. That's probably where the... And that's, and that's obviously leading right off into uh, Captain Marvel 2. Absolutely. That's going to be our first fork yeah. in the road. Yep, that would be the uh, sword <laughs> station facility in the in the sky, I guess. I think it would also be super cool if she was a part of Secret Invasion, because we know that Nick Fury is up there and with the scrolls, and we know that Ben Mendelsohn's character is going to play a huge role. So what if she was somehow maybe one of our heroes that's actually involved with the Secret Invasion storyline, because we know that's coming to Disney+. Plus. So yeah. she's going to be everywhere, man, and yeah. I like that, because I like her a lot. Right, and I, so I is Chu. What is it? Woo? Woo? Um, Jimmy Woo. Yeah. Jimmy Woo. Yeah, yeah. He'll be in there as well. I mean, he's he's I, tied to Ant-Man and all of that. I, awesome. I love how they at least brought one scroll in. Mm. Because that was yes. one of the huge... Okay, can we... We have to kind of... I feel like we wouldn't be doing the show justice if we didn't reference some of the fan theories. Because that was part of the coolness of this entire series and the way yes, they it released it. Mm-hmm. was the speculation from the fan base yes yeah. and boy did it swirl so, my gosh i've never seen so many theories come out of the nerdy well, brains I, about 75 percent of them were oh it's a scroll if you if you <laughs> if you recall back probably back to episode 116 when we did the mcu fa- uh, kickoff I was I was yeah. very apprehensive then that Mephisto was going to be the big bad, and and by the time mm-hmm. that we did five, six, and seven on the last episode of Pop X, I was pretty much set in my mind this is not going to be Mephisto because yeah. you're not going to set up you an, an archaic yet. villain like him in like, in, in like two episodes. You just can't do it. Yeah. And um, you know Galactus has been set up for 20, 24 movies, twenty three movies in the MCU. Yeah. So you just can't, I mean, Mephisto's a, a super big bad here. And I was pretty much not on the Mephisto train at that point. Um, I was definitely kind of on on the train of maybe a Reed Richards coming in, like a John Krasinski. St- but, yeah. you know, I, I think honestly here, I was reading an article the other day. Um, our level, the, I think a reason a lot of fans are disappointed with WandaVision, and I'm not disappointed with WandaVision, let me say that on the record, but a lot of fans are disappointed because their level of expectations were not met in their own hypothesis that they came yeah, up they with. Yeah, they had it like way up here. And I'm like, let's yeah, like, it's, it's like you know. And, right and one thing you got to learn about this, especially going into Falcon and Winter Soldier in two weeks, is that we got to learn. You know, it's it's great to theorize, but it's not good to browbeat people with your ideas for bait clicking on a YouTube channel, essentially. And so, uh, you know, just be be mindful of that next time. You know, we learned a lot in WandaVision. It's great to speculate because I think yeah. at, at the end of the day, that's what we want to do is we want to form our own opinions. And even we do it here on PopX Cast. Right. But, yes, you know, there's a difference in speculating and, and well, just kind of like shoving it down the throat of all I, the fans. I heard from several people that maybe they just didn't read everything because from episode one, it was listed as a limited series mm-hmm. oh yeah and a lot of people are like well where's when season two and i'm like do you know what limited it's, means yeah. it's a one-off it means that you're done we call <laughs> that the end. in the local comic book shop we call that a one shot yeah it's a one so, shot um yes it was i think the people skewed their expectations expecting it to be a longer running series as yeah. well i want you can't I, set up a big bad i want to gravitate down to austin and mike uh, Mike, uh, so specifically, uh, let's talk about episode nine. What was some of the moments for you that just kind of like really blew you away? Was there was there 
Was there anything that stood out particularly? Uh, well, the two um, fight scenes between Agatha mm. and Wanda and the two visions, I think that, that was great. That's typical of, you know, Marvel, you know, uh, you know, Marvel, Marvel caliber of, you know, yeah. fight scenes. I mean, but you're on TV, so you are limited to what you can do. And the way Wanda kind of turned it around on Agatha, where I can't remember exactly what it was called, but I know when they were in that... Um, the runes. To, to down in the basement there, she had all those uh, symbols up on there. And she yeah. said, yeah. you know, who cast the spell, you know, controls everything. And she turned it around on Agatha by covering it up with the storm. Yeah. You know, I thought that was that was well played there. You that know, was really and, cool. Uh, yeah. And then the two visions fighting, then all of a sudden where they... So sweet. He comes out when he said, well, I'm the conditional vision. I'm going, well, something's going to happen here. Yeah. Can we have yeah. a convert? Can we engage yeah. in a conversation? Yeah. yeah. The ship of Theseus and to go down that hole, if you remove a plank, wouldn't, you know, for the replacement, you know, when is it still the you know original? So that kind of leads to where, you know... D- now, the white vision was just, you know, is not the original vision that was killed off in Infinity War. It was, that was just like a, another one that they had made. Yeah. Is that, am I getting no, that right? The white vision is the vision the from Endgame. Yeah. He is the vision with, it, with the Mind Stone torn out. And okay. Hayward, if you remember the scene in Episode 8, when Wanda went to Vision and, to see Vision in, at the sword facility, he was all torn apart. Yeah. That particular scene is almost literally identical as the scene from Marvel Comics where Vision was literally torn apart. And I believe yeah. that is in House of M, if I'm not mistaken. And so the, I, I think the reason why he is in white is because he is, you know, I guess it's a new paint job or whatever. I mean, you know, it's like <laughs> a different car, but it's a different... He, he has a different vision and a different purpose to he's he's supposed to get into the hex and kill Wanda essentially yeah. that's his mission I wasn't, that's what I was wasn't sure if it was just another recreation if it was part of it you know and just I mean it answered a lot of questions I mean the last two episodes you know sealed the show for me you know I just you know the two questions I had was where did she get that deed from did it actually come from vision mm. she has the heart and where is the white vision now yeah, you know, it's kind of the two things, and and what you said, Joe, about you know people getting their expectations. I've seen, you know, a lot of nonsense with oh, this show was garbage because uh, there was no Doctor Strange, yeah. there was no, you know, you know this person, that person. I'm going, you know, this this show held its own. It didn't need any major characters, and if you're gonna, you know, carry on about that because of it, then you need to go watch something else. Because, exactly. You know, it's just you just you know you got your you know your expectations are high. That you've now ruined the show for yourself and you know so i just uh, yep. that, you know, unfortunately that's the internet we live in i guess but oh, yeah, you're, you're spot on mike uh, uh, you're, you're definitely spot on and <clears throat> and i was satisfied i mean if they didn't have you know dr strange or you know ultron or reed richards and i'm saying i'm fine with this show the way it ended it was it was held itself enough you know, up to the expectations of how good and, and beyond that it was for me that I didn't know what to expect going into it. And I just want to say, I think Catherine Hahn was amazing. Oh, oh my God. So yeah. one all the way to the end. Her outfit and the finale was amazing. And, you know, the second Doctor Strange has, you know, come back again as, as Agatha Harkness. I think she did an amazing job. And, and I think two things there, and I'm going to let Austin um, just blow it up here. Did you notice that Wanda didn't necessarily kill Agatha she just depowered Agatha. 
But in the comics, she did something very similar to Agatha, but Agatha, down the road, mentors Wanda Mm. on the use of her power. So that's the reason she kept her alive. Mm. Now, fast forward, let's, let's talk about the White Vision for a second. Did anybody stop to notice that the the power cell on Vision's mind, did that look familiar to any of you? It looks like the Iron Man. The arc reactor. Yeah, yeah a the little arc bit, yeah. I think I, I, I kind of feel that that is some Stark tech that uh, that sword was able to get a hold of, possibly. Um, because, I mean, you know, you got the, the magic of Wanda, and then you've got the, 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 the spark of the yeah. arc reactor. Uh, I think that was enough. But the scene that I want to talk about, and then I'm going to let Austin go, is when the vision from the hex said, May I? And he touches the white vision. And then his eyes become clear. He comes from the, the synthesoid robotic eyes yeah. to more of a clear eye. I think in that moment, he doesn't have the emotions restored to him from his previous life before Infinity War Endgame. Correct. But I think he's aware of everything. He knows knows that Wanda was his wife. He knows that all of this is happening in the background. Has no recollection of the hex vision and what that vision has been going through, but just his awakening. And so it was no by no coincidence that that flick was orange as well, which indicates the Mind Stone power was transferred. Uh, So I don't know, was it, it, obviously it wasn't a real Mind Stone. Maybe it was a, a fake stone. I don't know, because Wanda created it from nothing, and I don't know if you can create an elemental stone from, from that. There's a lot of diadem. Austin Burke, I'm going to shut up. What did you think about Episode Nine? Yeah, that's White Vision's just fascinating. Samuel Prater. Uh, Austin, it's... call me. <laughs> oh, no, Sam. You have to wait for me, bro. I love you, man. Thanks for, thanks for joining, though. Be sure to hit like and subscribe. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but um, He said he needs to play some Warzone with you. Oh my God! <laughs> so essentially, <laughs> I love Sam. Um, love you too, Sam. I, I think White Vision's interesting because the Iron Man connections, because of the fact that you could say, "Well, where is he going now?" He could show up in Armor Wars, which we know they're working on. I think that's a very good possibility. But also, what you mentioned, Joe, is something that I was thinking of: is he has the memories? Mm. Doesn't necessarily mean he has the emotion. Correct. Is essentially this this void. Right, because his memories, it's almost like he has someone else's memories, even though he knows that it's himself. So technically, there's not a lot of emotional connection. People were wondering, why did he fly off at the end and not go see Wanda? Well, he knows that he has those ties to Wanda, but personally, deep down, he's just like, I I have to figure this thing out. Like, I don't have that connection, but I know I've been through it. I know I've done that. So that's kind of the interesting thing for me with White Vision. Now, you look at the episode in general and, and back to the fan theories and speculations and things. I Certain things I can understand. Essentially, for me, it's it's the Ralph Boner joke. That's the only one that I, I just that was not a fan cheesy. of. Cheesy. I didn't like it. I yeah, didn't like that it. Was and bad. Not, only, not only because it was a, all for a joke. I will say, though, real quick. So apparently, the director came out and said there was actually a subplot in that episode with Ralph and the kids but he took it out, he took it away because he knew that that would be somewhat of a disappointment for people that thought he was Pietro. So it's almost like they just wanted to push Pietro off. Just 
because of so it's almost like they edited because apparently they went back and re-edited the episode because of all of the fan theories and also really? we were going to see who that aerospace engineer was but because it wasn't reed richards they took it out entirely because they didn't want fans to be disappointed oh now my God. for me and i understand that would have disappointed people for me i'm like guys if that was your if that was your vision keep it in yeah who cares who cares? Like, I think that would have added a lot to the episode. It could have introduced a new character as well. It could have. So I, I'm thinking, don't change because a lot of people are going to be upset. And he even said in the in the interview, he's sitting back going, listen, a lot of these little nuggets, we didn't think what they would think. We mm. thought something else entirely. And I think that's a big issue. Now, again, understandably so. The Evan Peters thing, why would you cast him if he's not Quicksilver? That's my big problem. That is a big... But it's not yeah. necessarily it's not necessarily commenting on the quality of the episode. It's more so just don't include that if you're not going to make it. You know what I mean? Just it, Sure, it's kind of a nice nugget. Don't make it a bonus. It was a wasted that character. Was, it was a wasted it was, character. I agree. I mean, I, I, think, I, think, I think if you're going to have Evan Peters walk up to the door with, with quicksilver hair, you know, yeah. even though Agatha was controlling, that has to be expanded on. That could have... They could have really introduced an entire universe with that yeah. character. Absolutely. And, I mean, you go back and you watch uh, X-Men Apocalypse when the uh, X-Men matching blows up and Sweet Dreams are, are made of this as playing in the background. <laughs> Easily one of my favorite scenes in all Marvel comic movies. Oh, yeah. Me too. And why Absolutely. would you waste it on a freaking boner, Joe, dude? Yeah. Uh, that, that, it's that, a waste. That, that was a waste. Yeah. Again, it's, it's, not, it's not quality of the episode, right? Because... I, they did what they set out to do, Wanda and Vision, the romantic story, the scenes at the end where they're getting to say goodbye. She's saying goodbye to her kids. She's saying goodbye to Vision. It was beautiful. I mean, That's so beautiful. beautiful. And I, I, I love that. I do think, you know, some of the things in the episode are like, you know, the Marvel tropes. We've got the heroes battle, the villains battle. I've seen some criticisms, very valid, of people that are saying, we really like the artistic stuff in the first three episodes. They kind of went generic Marvel in the final few episodes. But for me, I think it's the fact that they did the first three episodes in general is really cool. And then you bring it back home to what we love as Marvel fans. And I love that they did that, right? Yes. So while I don't think it was maybe the perfect finale, I do think they could have done a few things better, uh, especially like Darcy getting 30 seconds of screen time. I heard yeah, that, that, she, kinda... I heard that Darcy, of... Darcy went on social media and said that she couldn't get into the filming of the last couple episodes because of the COVID and that's that's somewhere else I was going was okay, the COVID situation really, really hurt this show because mm -hmm. apparently they weren't even done with the episodes mm -mm. when the first episode premiered because they were going to release one through three at the same time. They ended up doing one through two. The reason they didn't do that is because they would not have had the finale finished by the time it would have aired. Oh. That's that's not good. Um, mm -hmm. That's not good. So I get why they wanted to do it and also... They moved this show up to fill the void. This show would have been much more, I think, gratifying for fans if we were two months away from Doctor Strange 2. But now that they moved it up so much and they moved Doctor Strange back, we are a year and a couple months from Doctor Strange 2. So there's just a lot of things at play. But at the end of the day, I, I again, I just I love the episode. I love the two teases that we got at the end, especially Wanda's tease really setting her up. And I'm still, I'm, I'm full on board. I don't think this is a stretch at all. I think she is... Full House of M, not necessarily that storyline, but it's that Doctor Strange will have to assemble some people. A modified version of the House of M. <laughs> Absolutely, a, I think a it version is. of it. A Marvel MCU version. To, 
he's going to have to find some people to take her down in that movie, and I am all here for well, that. Well, you know, she's got, she's got Darkhold, and Darkhold and is... And even, even Agatha went on to say that you are more powerful than the, than the Sorcerer Supreme. I yeah. mean, for her to say that, I mean, you know, that's some serious hardcore crap there. Um, it, I don't think it's going to be even Doctor Strange. I think it's going to be a, a, a plethora. He could be even he he could even awaken Agatha as an ally. I mean, there's there's so many uh, venues that they could go into that. And um, but I do want to s- circle back to one thing as we start to kind of wrap things up here. Now, um, but is the White Vision? I believe when he was awakened and his mind came to. His emotions weren't intact. I agree with you on that, Austin. Yeah. But I think when anything is awakened, what is its first inclination to do? To go to its maker. Yeah. Mm. And I think Ooh. he's trying to find if Tony and Banner are still alive. Ooh, um, yeah. that's good. But, and and yeah. that would be me. He's trying. He, I think next time we see White Vision, he might be yeah. trying to find Stark. And yeah. Stark is dead, obviously, and he's probably right. going to try to go to Banner. And if Banner's not around, he's going to go to Thor, who gave him the, literally the the life um, as as the other Vision. But yeah. uh, Boy, that's cool, boys. I tell you what, it really is difficult being a mom to oh. watch that finale. <sighs> oh boy. Yeah, that was that was. <laughs> and I know that we're trying to wrap this up, so I'll try not to. See, I'm already misty. I'm thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, come on now. Um, <laughs> but um, the the kids, even though you know that they're a part of her figment of imagination, and mm-hmm. and we know that at some point they may reincarnate into something else later, because you know that's how Marvel rolls. I wasn't nearly as sad about Vision being lost, destroyed, dehexed, whatever it is that you call the, the imaginary vision, because of that transfer of memories, he will continue to live on. Yes. So yeah. I wasn't nearly as heart-wrenchingly broken about that, but the kids. Yeah. First, first yeah. back whenever, you know, the, the intermission of battle <laughs> is what I like to call it, where she's shrinking down the hex and the kids start kind of disintegrating and visions over here disintegrating. And then they kind of push it back. My heart started being like, oh, no, you're babies. Yeah. You know, yeah. That's just kind of like the my automatic instinct. reaction. Yeah. But when they have those kids tucked tight in their beds, they have no idea what's about to happen. And they're just treating it like it's a normal night. I I was done. I was done. Mm. I was bawling yeah. on that couch. And I was like, Marvel's got to stop doing this shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, and you make a really good point. And you know, when when the hex was shrinking and the kids were dissolving, and so was Wanda, if you happened to pay notice to the objects of them as they were disintegrating, was a direct tie to the cover of Scarlet Witch on the House of Imp, as her mind is fading away into those like Tetris-looking objects. It was a direct reference to House of Imp um, as they disintegrated. But I think, um, you know, the culmination is that we can all agree. Uh, Mike, is there anything else you would like to add to? Uh... Uh, just to kind of circle back what Austin said about how the, the, we have a big gap now between because of the COVID. I mean, it's it's pretty much turned everybody's lives upside down. And we should be yeah. grateful for what we did get right now. Right. Yeah. So, and they had that same issue with Falcon and Winter Soldier. They had to stop production because yep. of the COVID. So 
they're, by the time the first episode airs, I don't even think they're done with the series yet. I think they're mm -hmm. just getting very close to wrapping up. But, you know, and I think probably what I'll do is even so there's that big gap because of the push of Doctor Strange. Mm -hmm. Probably like a few weeks <laughs> before. making me cry again. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Doctor Strange comes out. I'll probably rewatch the whole series just to kind of get, you know, get reacclimated with it. But uh, I just wanted to throw something out there. If you guys were wanted to do, um, you know, give a rating for these two episodes and then the series as an overall. Yeah, we can do that. Rating, we can. We can do, know, that. do that. We can do that right at the end. Um, yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. see. Uh, any loose ends here? Um, I guess the only thing that we would want to talk about is the final scene. Uh, Where with, did she go? Well, that that is actually a mountain. Uh, it's in House of M. It's like Mount, I can't remember, starts with an M something. Um, yeah. I, I ain't even going to try to pronounce or pull it out of my head, but it's a direct reference to the comics. She does go into seclusion, um, and it is a huge Doctor Strange oh. reference bomb. She's while having coffee on her front porch while her... her, her uh, she, like, separated herself. Yeah, she separated. What is it called? Astral projection. Thank astral you. Projection. Astral projection. Yeah. And so she's astral projected herself, and she's literally reading Darkhold. And you can hear her kids screaming at the end of it, which kind of is an indicator that she's going to try at some point to probably bring back her children. And if she does, they'll probably be in their teenage forms at that point. And uh, that'll be really cool to, to expand upon that. But she, she's so powerful. She's astral projecting while her body is moving. Let's think about this, because in Doctor Strange, he was sleeping. Your body just you, your body just falls when you astral project, right? She's so powerful. She's doing both at the same time. So and she that's didn't a big... even have anybody teach her how to do it. She's reading Darkhold. Yep. She's oh, yeah, reading Darkhold. We confirm the heck out of that. Chaos <laughs> magic. I mean, this this kind of magic and, that... Yes, oh, my God. And Agatha says she says more powerful than the Sorcerer Supreme in that finale. And that is freaking Doctor Strange. So that is 100% she's the most powerful character in the Avengers. Yeah. Which is crazy. Definitely yeah. would be one of the best fight scenes since Endgame probably in Doctor Strange. Oh, Dude. Yes. I can't imagine. Oh. I mean, can you imagine spell after spell? Just the the the, the sorcerer supreme and Scarlet Witch. Oh, it's and such Sam a great Raimi is directing this. Oh my God! Imagine the horror, the horror elements to this. Just thinking about what we got in WandaVision, and then under Sam Raimi's um, supervision. Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait, man. All right, so let's do what Mike said. Let's rate. Uh, are we doing eight and nine or just nine, Mike? Uh, I think you do eight and nine, and then uh, the whole series, of the the entire series as a whole. All right, I got that. So for eight and nine, I'm easily going to go with, um, I'm going to go with a seven point four. I would say, mm -hmm. um, and um, that was just based off of, um, I, I tried my best to not have any expectations of like a Reed Richards type thing. I, I wanted to have an open mind. I tried, I tried to totally not do what the internet was telling me to do, and I'm glad I did it. Um, a 7.4 for the final two episodes because I had more questions than I had answers. Yeah. And that's okay. That doesn't mean that they're not going to get answered right away. It's just going to take time. And the whole series collectively, I'm going to go with an 8.9. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. All right. I would say, I, I, I would say, yeah, I'm with you. I think 8 was a great, a really strong episode. 9, maybe not as strong for me. A lot of questions. I'm probably going to go straight... 
I guess straight seven combining the two. Um, I, I'm probably leaning more seven for episode nine and then the higher for episode eight. But the series as a whole, um, I, I do think really delivered. And, and you look at the repercussions, what we're going to get, the expectation level of some of these characters, where they're going to go, and just the fact that, hey, Marvel's doing something different here. So for my final score, you know, I was torn in between like around an eight and eight five. I'm probably going to go eight five uh, for the final show. Again, I do have my nitpicks, my criticisms, but um, I, I'm I'm so happy Marvel's branching out and doing something different and setting up some great, great characters for the future. Lindsay. Oh goodness. Well, um, in grand Marvel fashion, they did not leave me disappointed. Um, there was there was some questionable moments at the beginning of the season, but um, for these two episodes as as standalone focus, I feel like those were the most engaging and entertaining mm. of the overall series. They kind of wrapped up a few loose ends, and they also created some new ones, mm. yeah. which I would think you would expect with a limited series that's intended to do so. So I I, I think a, a an eight for the two yeah. episodes is pretty fair. And I'm gonna do an eight for the overall series as well, just yeah. kind of across the board on that. So um, it's probably not, you know, their best, but I mean, there was definitely some engaging moments and some exciting Absolutely. moments that um, even if they weren't exactly comic book lore as yeah. speculated, um, they did deliver a complete series with a storyline that came to a satisfactory yeah. close and before Mike is his score, um, Mike Relaine over in the chat says Elizabeth Olsen's performance eleven. Oh, couldn't oh couldn't could not agree more. Now. Mike, she she exhausted her limits of Scarlet Witch in this series. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Mike, you're wrapping up the 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 thing here. Go for it. Yeah, the last two. Um, I mean, it, I was thoroughly satisfied the way it explained everything. You know, the last you know, especially episode eight where it kind of told the backstory and you kind of got. You know, a little bit, a little bit of each of Agatha and and a little more Wanda, and and then going into nine. I mean, that's you know the the climax of it, well, the, the scene, the battle scene, and all that stuff. Yeah, but there are a couple of questions, so uh, I'm going to go with an 8.5. And as a overall series, I getting the answers, you know, in episode eight leading into nine that explain the entire series about the different you know, uh, decades that they went through. I thoroughly enjoyed the way they handled that. And I'm going to go yeah. with overall nine. So cool. Nine. The entire show. And, nice. Uh, I'm looking forward to see what they, what this leads into in either Captain Marvel or Doctor Strange. I expect something big out of Doctor Strange. Awesome. So there you go, Pop Xers. We got uh, this whole series. WandaVision is finished. We have reached the finale. And um, if we miss something or there's something you want to talk about, leave it in the comments below. And we'll get it, and we'll chime in. Uh, we'll reply back to you. But, uh, man, this has been a great episode. I mean, jam-packed, lots of information, a retro rewind, and WandaVision episodes 8 and 9. This is just awesome, awesome, Burke. Why don't you take us out, man? Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't believe we flew through that season as quick as we did, too. It's just it's wild that we're already in March. But... I am Austin Burke at The Burkinator. You guys can search and find me on the YouTubes, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, and um, I don't want to say my other profile on whatever website that is. All right, we are part of the newly formed Creative Crunch. Only fans. It's the Creative. That's the one. <laughs> You're welcome. 
I got feet picked. Uh, the Creative Multiverse. <laughs> For more great media content, artwork, and more, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Creative Multiverse. If you guys are creative, produce content, or have a talent like I don't, we want to see it and would like for you to share it with us in that multiverse. Thank you guys for watching today. Also, don't forget to follow him on MySpace. Tom's is only uh, friend. Yeah. Still there. I got still the top there. three. Top three. Top three. Yeah. All right. Well, guys, um, I'm Lindsay Badger, your favorite geeky Oki, signing off. Make sure you connect with PopXCast on all of the social medias, all the ones that Austin listed and probably more. Mm-hmm. Um, Everywhere on the worldwide netwebs is at PopXCast. If you yeah. are old school and you want to do the email thing, you can drop us comments and suggestions via the email address PopXCast at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out our website PopXCast.com for all future and past shows. All in one good Happy little place. Happy little place. That's exactly right. And I am Joseph Burke, a.k.a. Ad Joseph Burke Arts, all over the web. Man, I tell you what, this has been such a great show for me. So much good stuff to unpack here that we, we just discussed tonight, from retro films to modern WandaVision. It has been all around we a great could have show. Another hour on this show. Oh, we could have easily went At another least. hour, but I, I don't know if I can stay awake that long. No. Uh, but find me all over social media, and of course, hats off always to the amazing, well, the wonderful, the talented Team Pop X for being my. <laughs> what, what are you? Oh my gosh, what is going on here? Okay, okay, he's doing it. He's he's doing it. Okay, Mike Tyson's punch out. Here we go. And, of course, hats off to Amazing Team PopX. And uh, that is this episode of PopX Cast. We'll see you next time on episode 118, where we get to talk, guess what? Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Oh, yeah. And the retro rewind will be War Games. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a great episode. So uh, we're signing off, guys. Thank you guys so much in the chat. Uh, Huge shout-out to some of our faithful people hanging out with us in the chat we got mike relaine chase lopez john poffenbarger uh oh my gosh it just keeps going on arjun uh kokanda hope i got that right please i'm so sorry if i darth baka axon 5150 holy cow this chat is sam prater is still waiting for austin to play warzone with him and uh you guys what is going on all right all of that said guys we're going to wrap this up take care we'll see you next time in two weeks on a Sunday night for episode 118. Holy cow. Take care now. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to PopXCast. As you're enjoying listening or viewing our shows, please consider clicking on the subscribe button to our feed and click the get notifications buttons so you don't miss out on great future content. Like our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash PopXCast and on Instagram at PopXCast. And be sure to drop us an email anytime at popxcast at gmail.com. For more great content, check out the Creative Multiverse, where science, art, and imagination come together with artistic talents. The Creative Multiverse can be found on Facebook groups under the same name. We'll see you next time. Get your geek on! (laughs) 